0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Labyrinth Marketing, a strategic marketing and capability consultancy who strives to step-change the growth of your brands, people, and agencies. We do that by helping you develop that long-term strategic direction that will step-change your growth, but also help you to bring that to life through training, coaching, mentoring, and extra resource. Hello, and welcome to the Whole Marketer Podcast. (laughs) podcast is a technical skill. It's promotional marketing. Promotional marketing is a form of integrated marketing communications. Current thinking on promotional marketing is that it's both transactional and relationship building. Transactional is you're encouraging individuals to act in return for an incentive or reward, but also in the long term by engaging with the brand. It has evolved over the years from mainly focusing on sales promotions and on packs to much broader encompassing experiential, direct marketing, PR, and much more. I thought it would be important for us to discuss promotional marketing and the role that it can play in the light of the recession and the impact that this will have on our consumers' buying behaviors, coupled with the fact that many marketers may be facing budget reductions and therefore having to really review where and how we effectively engage with our consumers and our shoppers in light of yet another shift in the macro environment. Today's guest is Andrew Ray. Andrew has been active in the promotional marketing industry for over 12 years and has racked up some serious achievements along the way. He's managed some of the country's top promotion agencies and worked with some of the most exciting brands and agencies along the way. Aside from winning gold four years in a row and gold, silver and bronze in the same category for two years running at the IPM COGS Awards, He's always been a champion of the power of promotions as an integral part of the marketing mix. Having worked with the likes of Airbnb, Ferrero, Molson Coors, Mondelez and Ocado, he's constantly vocal about how brands can utilize and adapt traditional promotional techniques to further their goals. Using heads-up thinking, he's helped carve out successful campaigns for his clients by emphasizing the ability that promotional marketing has to engage with consumers on a much more meaningful level. With his new agency, Another Way, turning 18 months old, he's just even more impassioned about the potential that promotions hold, especially when used in conjunction with other disciplines. To quote Andrew, the rule book has been somewhat torn up of late, and we can adapt, mold, refresh the way we look at the sales promotion techniques, and those brands, that are bold with this concept are the ones that are winning. Andrew, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Hello, thank you very much for having me. So as always with the podcast, we always start with a big juicy question. And today's big juicy question <laughs> is, what is promotional marketing to you?
1: I mean, that is the biggest and juiciest questions to kick off with. So I've had a thought about this. And in my mind, I love the fact, That promotional marketing can actually have like a few sort of different iterations to different people, depending where you come at it from. I mean, for me, and I've messed around in this industry for longer than I care to remember, but I have always liked to think of it quite simply as turning potential customers into real customers. If, If marketing brings the horse to water, promotional marketing is what makes it drink. It's the final stage, it's the thing that tips the needle and pushes you into a purchase. It's also really incredibly relevant today, more than ever. Particularly supermarkets, for example, where a massive proportion of promotional marketing exists, and a lot of the work we do, you've got a really unique opportunity to change a customer's decision at the point of purchase, literally when they're standing there looking at the product. You know, promotions have got a really positive impact on brands. You know, if you look at seventy-five percent of customers are more likely to try a new brand. Over another one, if there's a promotion running, 71% will switch brands, even from their favorite brand, if there is a promotion running. I mean, that power is massive. And the chance to impact decisions at the final point of purchase is really, really exciting. And the chance to be really creative with it as well. I mean, I think that's a really, really nice place to be. So, in my mind, (laughs) that's what promotional marketing is to me. It's that final stage, it's that final opportunity to affect a purchasing decision.
0: And just to touch on a point that you made there, Andrew, that it can mean many things to many people, can you share with the listeners some of those things that you believe that people believe that promotional marketing is?
1: Well, I suppose the definition of promotional marketing, according to sort of the the Institute of Promotional Marketing and a few other people, is a marketing initiative, the purpose of which is to create a call to action that has a direct and positive impact on the behaviour of a targeted audience by offering demonstrable, though not necessarily tangible benefit. I find that quite overwhelming. Mm. I think distilling, you know, any elements of the marketing mix, it can get quite highly convoluted and a bit over-explanatory. I mean, I think if we can distill it down into easier soundbites, it suddenly makes the opportunity for marketeers a lot easier. You know, you can look at promotional marketing, you can look at partnerships, you can look at other areas of the marketing mix. And actually... They've got so much crossover and they've got so much opportunity to coexist against each other that sometimes I feel like people get too siloed in thinking, uh, are we going to do a promotional marketing campaign? Are we going to do a traditional marketing campaign? Are we going to go above the line? Are we going to... You can do all of those things. And I think the power of promotional marketing and some of the best examples I've seen of promotional marketing coexist with other areas of the marketing mix. They all mix together. You know, you might have a fantastic brand partnership going on, which then spills over into your online campaign, but then also spills over into the promotional marketing campaign. And that's the final bit you see when you're in a supermarket or when you're about to purchase your product. It's that culmination of a few other elements of the marketing mix all coming together in one final sort of arrowhead pointing directly at promotional marketing. And that's where I believe people should be coming at it from. Not seeing it as a siloed option, but seeing how it can work cohesively with other elements of the marketing mix.
0: I really like that where all the arrows are pointed because it allows you to really think about that customer journey moving from, you know, awareness, interest, considerations, like purchase, arrows, arrows, (laughs) here, here, the, the final bit to really make sure that you do take the action that we want you to make. And as you say, it's more about the pointed arrows than it is always about the type of activity that you're doing, which leads on to my next question, which is how you believe promotional marketing has evolved in the last 10 years? And I guess, I'm thinking about some of those definitions that have floated around. Is it sales promotion? Is it on-pack? Is it experiential? <laughs> Is it sampling? Is there a different committee for those things? I'd love to hear how you believe it's evolved over the last 10 years.
1: I mean, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head with this sort of confusion over what elements are called and which boxes they fit into. I remember I went to an event many, many years ago about promotion and marketing. It was a book launch about the history of the industry led by a lot of old white male panelists and so much of it was regarding couponing and price discounts and how industries had used you know certain vouchers to overcome certain things i remember thinking i felt then even now that there's so much more to promotional marketing and i'm really pleased to see now agencies individuals leaders brands being really creative about how they address sort of the new promotional marketing. And that's something that I always go back to, which is this creativity around promotional marketing. It's a wonderful place to exist as a brand and to go, right, yes, we need to make someone buy more of this product. But that doesn't mean that we can't be a bit fun with it. That doesn't mean that we can't talk to marketeers, talk to designers, talk to our customers. And say, how would you like this to look? What would be quite exciting? You know, there's always been stuff around, people sort of hark around old examples of promotional marketing where people would be a chance to win a mini, but the mini would be buried within the United Kingdom somewhere. And you (laughs) had to follow clues through different packs to collate the clues to then go and find the spot and then dig up the mini. You know, that was sort of 15, 20 years ago. But even then, it was illustrating how you can be creative around things. You can be creative around sales promotion. There's such a rich portfolio of options available to marketeers now, to brands to brands and marketeers. Competitions, a prize draws, instant win, gamification. You've got the whole, you've got money back. You've got user-generated content where you're literally requesting your consumers to talk back to you and to have some involvement in the campaign. You've got collector wins. You've got charitable donations, you know, the tools at hand now, even if they were there before, they seem to be being utilised so much more now and with more creativity. And the brands and practitioners seem to be a bit more curious about the power that this element of the marketing mix has. And they're asking better questions. And I feel that's really come through in the last sort of 10 years since I've been around the industry in, in various ways. The brands that succeed are the ones that sort of sit to the table and I don't know if this is an unfair comment, but I'll make it anyway. In previous years, I've always felt that promotional marketing or sales promotion was kind of unfairly seen as the poor cousin of the marketing disciplines. It was the last bit. It was a bit that you maybe stuck on pack at the end after you'd done the design and the trendy activations and even the experiential. It was the bit at the end, the sort of the poor cousin. But I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the conversations around the tables that marketers, brand leaders, brand managers are having right at the early pitch discussion that involve promotional marketing. And I think that's really come from the change. You know, the terminology we used to use was sales promotion, and that was sort of slightly changed. People agreed that it needed to be more encompassing and involve promotional marketing. And even promotional marketing involves experiential activation, sampling. So I just think the way that we address and talk about the industry needs to be more open, and that will allow marketers to be a bit more curious and to see, what they can do with their activations and how they can genuinely affect change.
0: As I was listening to you speak there, Andrew, one thing that became quite evident to me is that there has been a movement from maybe something that was on pack that was, you know, attached to it, it makes me think of the Lerpac initiatives that we used to have everything from kind of Le Creuset to, yeah. to baking tins. Yeah, you know, That's something on pack attached and all that coupon to actually something that's a money can't buy type prize. You know, when you're talking about that mini or those experiences or that allows them to unlock, it's that added incentive, but also that added opportunity to engage with the brand, maybe against its purpose or the way that it aligns with the brand values and its brand purpose and the way in which you can actually truly connect the brand to the consumer or to the customer more than just that last little tip with that added money off or something attached to pack, it it's, feels like it's gone a lot broader in the brand connection space than potentially it has before. Is that fair?
1: You couldn't be more right. The opportunity to connect with your consumer on a more meaningful level through promotional marketing is there in abundance now. And you talked about brand values and you talked about ethos and you talked about money can't buy experiences, which Slightly a misnomer, and always used to frustrate me when I was working in the industry because you know if it's money, can, can we have a money can't buy experience? Yeah, what's your budget? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there is always a budget element. But this opportunity to engage with people on a more meaningful level, really seeding in the brand values of your campaign is massive. And these are where the really successful activations do come from. You know, they don't have to be the most expensive and convoluted experiences available just to have a meaningful impact. You know, for example, let's take a whiskey brand. Rather than giving away the branded glasses that we all have in the back of the cupboard that now no longer are used for whiskey. What happens if you gave your consumer the opportunity to have a a once-in-a-lifetime private experience of the distillery? So Mm. you turn up and you've got a private distillery, maybe with the master distiller. Okay, you, you, know, you learn about the history of the brand, you learn about where it's come, its journey. Whiskey is a brilliant example because they always take into account their setting, you know, are they next to the sea? Do the plants that grow around them have an effect on the taste? Where do they get their barrels from? Just that education around Earth, which you get through an experience is incredible. And then what happens if you perhaps stayed with a local family on the island of Jura or whatever, and they've... Been working at a distillery for three generations, and they can sit down and talk to you about the history of their grandparents, what they did, you know. And they sit down, and you have a nice glass of whiskey, and you have the elements, you know, the accommodation and the travel, all the nice bits. But what you've done is you've engaged with that consumer on a deeper, more personal level, and you've done this through an on-pack piece of activation. But, you know, you're creating genuine brand fans. And yes, you've got this main headline prize. When it comes to a brand, they might say, yeah, I don't want to engage one person. I want to engage with 500 people. That will give me a return on investment for the money that I'm putting into this campaign. You can say, that's absolutely fine. You can have a tiered prize pool. So yes, you've got this headline prize, which will get all of the publicity, which will be the on-pack image that you'll use. But then you can also have underneath that, If you don't win this experience, yeah, we've got a load of product giveaways, or it could be smaller experiences, or it could be samples, anything to sort of, you know, generate email content or anything like that for the brand marketers to get their return on investment from. But there's no reason that experiences, prizes, activations can't be more infused with the brand heritage and the brand values to really engage with your consumers on a deeper level. And that's where I feel the most successful sales promotion campaigns come from.
0: On that point of return and investment, if I think back to my earlier career, one of the reasons why we used to lean on sales promotions and couponing, you know, and actually putting coupons on ads as part of sampling and all of those activities, because it gave us a form of measurement. So it allowed us to be able to measure not only had that consumer or shopper seen that activity, that ad. But had they then taken the call to action? And obviously, we knew that there would be a percentage or high level, actually, high percentage that had seen the ad and that decided not to take the coupon, but still taken action. But it allowed us to kind of measure that whole consumer journey from awareness, being interested, going to store. And in this case, I'm thinking a particular campaign that I led where we had to drive them to a new area in store, which they weren't, are not a high frequency aisle to use the coupon to purchase. And, you know, we used to sit there with the coupon redemptions and see how successful. <laughs> <laughs> it was and measured the long-term value of what that consumer could be worth based on the fact that they'd bought once and that they'd go on to buy once or twice or three or four times based on their frequency. But we were able to get to a number. We were able to get to an ROI. And I think probably, I've got this theory that probably in light of digital, allowing us to have the effectiveness and measure at least one part of that journey, if not more, then it should be more, but that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> We're probably allowing promotional marketing to allow us to have those opportunities to build the connection as well as something at that pointed arrow moment, maybe more than the thing at the end. As you were mentioning that forgotten cousin, I think it was almost like the cousin that you had to invite to the party because then you knew whether the party was successful or not. As opposed to yeah. actually now, because everything else comes along in the journey, there's other things that you can measure. You can truly have that interaction that you want to have at the party. The analogy continues. And in fact, maybe who you want to invite to the party, because you can measure elsewhere.
1: I think it's really interesting. And if we play with this party analogy, like if you're going to throw a party, you probably think at the beginning, what do you want to get out of this? What's my reason for throwing this party? And I think maybe perhaps brands, potentially the ones that I wear with more, are a bit more open as to what the purpose of the activation, the campaign is. Mm. You know, for example, they might not, and this is a question we always ask at the beginning of the journey, is like, what do you want out of this? Do you just want to drive a load of new email addresses for marketing content? Is that what you want? Or perhaps... Just do you want to be synonymous with a period in time or a period within the season? So, for example, if you want to be synonymous for after work drinks in the summer, then you don't necessarily have to create a campaign that generates X amount of activations and X amount of eyeballs or visits. You might just want to appear in the right publications around having drinks in a pub after dinner in a, in a summer's evening you know you can create the activation to reflect that one of the brands that we work with airbnb are really clever about understanding how you can connect with your consumer on a sort of different level really so they will create necessarily a strictly an on-pack promotion but it is a sales promotion it's making people choose one brand over another so they will create an experience. The one we just finished working on was where you'd be able to stay in five historic properties around Europe, traveling by train. It's in partnership with Eurail from Europe. And it was a user-generated competition. So people would write in why they believed they should win. They were all judged. There's a shortlist. And then the winner came. And the winner goes off and has an incredible sort of 19-day experience. But there's only six people who experienced that final activity. So... Theoretically, you're only engaging really with with those six people. But once you see the video content that's been created, you talk to them as they go through their journey, you begin to understand that what they've achieved is, yeah, maybe only actually engaging with six finalists. But those six finalists will carry that experience with them through their entire lives. They will always go to Airbnb knowing that they gave them that opportunity to see stuff that they never would have seen without engaging with the campaign. And I think brands that almost take a step back and sort of say, what do we want to achieve out of this promotion? Do we want people to live our brand values? For example, the whiskey one we talked about before. Do we want people to see where the company and the brands come from, where it's been born from, you know, literally to go to the place where this whiskey or this brand has been hewn from. It's a really evocative and very, very powerful option that promotional marketing has. It can take you somewhere. It can give you a journey. And I think the brands that see that they can take their consumers on a journey with them are the brands that really, really stand out.
0: So there's a few things that you said there. So I think the first thing is that clarity up front and you know as well as I do from all the times that we've worked together, how important it is to have that clarity up front in a smart objective. But in this case, that clarity of the role that you want this channel to play within that consumer journey or customer journey. I think there is another element there that actually the measurement Of that success is different in the sense that you're not measuring how many people win the experience or how many people convert through that funnel that you've created as part of the partnership or part of the experience that you're offering, but actually the opportunity that that creates to create new content, which may have greater reach and greater effectiveness and be able to portray and demonstrate the brand values in a way that maybe something else that's just delivered then seen through an experience would achieve and the third one is the measurement and i think maybe as we were saying earlier because measurement can be done in other parts of the journey or what actually you're measuring is completely different in this case it's not the actual four people that go on that whiskey experience it's the coverage that you get from those that are seeing those that go on the experience and the Mm -hmm. amplification i think changes all of those things
1: yeah Again, it's the user-generated content element which we push strongly. I mean, the power of the after effects of a campaign can actually sometimes outweigh the sales objectives to begin with. So if we look at, you know, this whiskey couple who've been away, had the most insane experience really getting under the skin of a brand, if we were able to capture that somehow, whether that's in videos or blogs or photography, that's then seeded across social media, that's then put into the next campaign. It enables consumers to see that, oh, these people have gone off previously and they've lived this experience. And wow, how amazing that is that will self-perpetuate. That will mean that the entries you get for your next competition, your next campaign, will have increased, you know. So having that long-term, holistic view, I used to call head up thinking. So not just working out, you know, how much is this campaign going to cost? How many people are going to enter? What are we going to get out of it? And will it sell more of my stock? Looking up from the desk and going, okay, fine. If we can create a calendar of five events over the year, perhaps seasonal. And if we get all the user generated content from that, that can be fed out into PR to be into marketing. We can create our own website where we collate all of this information. And that in turn, will allow people to buy products and engage with the brand on a deeper level. I just think the opportunity that stuff like this gives a brand is immense. But we need the engaging and we need the sort of forward-thinking brands and forward-thinking marketeers to sort of take those ideas to pitch level and to say, yes, we could do this on-pack campaign and it will deliver X, Y, and Z. But if we just take a step back and think about this over the whole year, perhaps, Look at this opportunity that we can create. We can touch loads of different people way more than we would have been able to with a simple spike in activation. One of the things that I try and advocate is, yes, you know, cash and cars and money off and all those other sort of perfectly legitimate methods of self-promotion are great, but they will produce a short spike over the period of activation of engagement. Not necessarily true engagement. You might just have, you know, compers going, oh, I can get, you know, free whiskey glasses. Okay, I'll enter. They're not engaging with the brand. They're not long-term brand fans. So what we always try and do is rather than just dismiss those short, sharp spikes, is to say, if we can layer on top of that a really thoughtful and engaging campaign of people going off to the distillery and having that amazing experience. If we can layer that over the short, sharp spikes of traditional sales promotion, what you're actually doing is creating a longer lasting effect. You're creating a brand family, as it were, by layering those two elements on top of each other. I don't feel that one is more powerful than the other. I just feel that working hand in hand, you can interact with a larger scale of the population and engage with them on a deeper level.
0: And as we were talking, it's almost made my next question redundant <laughs> because I think what's become quite clear is that the role that promotional marketing plays today is both the pointed arrow, but also the opportunity to connect with the brand and create content and a longevity in what you've created in that campaign for the long term more than it has ever done before and for those that are listening and thinking well, what was the question you were going to ask abby the question i was going to ask is (laughs) in light of the movement to more digital channels and consumers need for instant gratification how has this impacted the role of promotional marketing and i think you've answered that which is they still want that instant gratification they still want the why would I choose this brand at the point of purchase or online over another brand? So they've got that instant gratification or that rationale because of the on-pack or how it's communicated. But actually, the opportunity to connect with the brand is what's creating that online community, not necessarily the campaign online. So yeah, that's been my reflection, anywho. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, again, you're absolutely right. I don't feel it has to be one or the other. You can have instant gratification delivered through a on-pack, then delivered through, you know, uh, mobile activation, anything like that. You can have the power of instant gratification whilst also still doing exactly what we talked about before, engaging on a deeper level, creating more engaging creations, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. We can have it all. We don't have to work out how we can do instant gratification whilst also having an amazing experience that lasts over a longer period of time. That experience can then be fed back into future campaigns using user generated content. So the longevity, the bang for your buck that you get from your initial prize package is suddenly extrapolated because you've sat back and gone, okay, fine. Well, why don't we continue this? next quarter and why Mm. don't we use the stuff that we've got from this quarter to feed back into the next campaign, the next seasonal campaign, which people will be able to see what's been won and they will be more engaged. They're more likely to go to the supermarket and choose brand X over brand Y. We can have it all. We've got really clever people within our industry who can sit there and take a step back and go, well, let's just use all the disciplines. Let's use all the learnings that we've got put them in a big melting pot and see what happens you know this is why promotional marketing is kind of exciting it gives us that ability to talk to all of our cousins and bring in all of the potential mechanisms and to use those to the best effect
0: i'm almost thinking i think it might need another rebrand andrew i think it might need to be called connection marketing but anyways (laughs) or something else that's more reflective of the conversation we've just had because you know but why not? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's it's tough. I recently written an article for a US publication because they picked up on a talk that I was at where I talked about activations, and they kept saying, "You know, why are you talking about it? Why is it an activation?" And I think I just fell into it really because it was the easiest way of explaining the final thing that happens. So yeah, activation marketing.
0: Love it. Activation marketing. You heard it here first on the Whole Markets podcast. So, the million dollar question, in light of the recession that is happening and is predicted to happen and continue to happen for a period of time. Many brands, including my clients and those that I speak to, are sitting here thinking my budget's going to be reduced or we're going to have to do something different like the recession in light of reduction in disposable income, in light of the pressures that our consumers are facing, deal of the above, and potentially not thinking about planning to the long term, thinking about bit by bit. What advice would you give to marketeers on how to use, let's call it what it is now, activation marketing in the coming year in light of the recession?
1: It's going to be very, very tough. But the industry's been through peaks and troughs like this before and it's come through. What I would say to clients and to brands who are sort of thinking about how this is going to affect them is don't leave promotional marketing to the end of the debate. It shouldn't be the tag along. The same way that I suppose sustainability was the element that you tacked on at the last minute. So it's like, okay, how are we going to? How are we going to make this green? We don't need to leave that at the end. If we embrace promotional marketing and we involve it in the discussions from the very, very start, it's going to allow us to demonstrate how actually it might be a slightly cost-effective way of achieving what we want to achieve. Great ideas don't have to cost the earth. There was a little bit of a backlash recently with Philip Schofield giving away the chance to have your electricity bills paid for a year on this morning. It's like some kind of weird dystopian reality. I think we just need to be like sensitive with our activations, you know, focus on what means a lot to families at times like this and, and don't just sort of rush to offer to pay people's bills and things like that. I I don't think that's the solution. I just think we need to be clever about how we can come through this recession and how we can work with the brands and work with, you know, our consumers as well to get the best effect without breaking the bank. And as we learn in the pandemic, brands and agencies... And suppliers, you know, during a recession, we need to work together. You know, I saw so much goodwill during the pandemic of big brands, the likes of, you know, Diageo, Mondelez, really supporting their suppliers through the tough times because they knew that when things got better again, they needed them to be there. You know, Mm. it benefited no one having smaller suppliers going out of business And I think big brands don't perhaps get enough credit for the support that they gave suppliers and agencies through that tough time. And I think, again, we should be working together as much as we can on saying, OK, fair enough, you know, our direction has changed. We're not going to be focusing on X or Y. We need to really be focusing on this for the time being. And working with them really collaboratively and saying, this might not be traditionally what we would have asked you to do. This isn't the budget that we would have asked you to help with. Mm. But can we work together to come through this? And then at the end of it, everyone will still be around and we'll be in a good place to bite back and come up with some really great activations and some really great work. But I think it's got to be collaborative. As we've learned during the pandemic, that's what will keep the industry buoyant and will keep you know people in business.
0: I love that. Honest collaborative conversations. And as I was listening to you talk about that, Andrew, I think having that collaborative thinking as well as buying behaviors change and we enter into, I don't want to say unknown territory because this isn't our first recession. It's not our first rodeo. It is the one that we are experiencing now. And as you know, we all change, our behaviors change, and the way in which we communicate changes, and our motivations, attitudes, wants, needs, desires all change. So whilst we are navigating, an area that is maybe a little bit more uncertain, sharing what we do know so that we can have greater insight, I think is also going to be really important.
1: Uh, You're absolutely right. Just agencies and industry leaders are, I think, now more attuned to sharing learnings than perhaps they would have been in the past. And there are some seriously clever people out there who have addressed industry problems in the past and really made a significant change, you know. You look at the amount of women who are leaders of really cool, big, creative agencies. You look at the work-life balance that has been addressed, mental health within agencies and companies and brands. That's all changed because people have shared their learnings and talked and focused on not necessarily what we would have assumed would have been the most important thing, which was you know shifting stock and meeting targets. People are more rounded in their thinking now. And I think if we're ever in a position to be able to address a recession or a downturn, it's now, you know, we've done it. Mm. We've done it previously. We've done it quite well. And the building blocks have been set in place now for us to be able to address a situation like this better. You know, the keystone. So in bridges, you have the keystone in the middle of a bridge, which is the element that stops everything from falling down. That collaboration and that shared learning that we've had over the past two three however many years that's the keystone for getting through this that's the thing that's going to make us successful and as long as we don't lose sight of that i think we'll be fine
0: that was poignant andrew a keystone <laughs> analogy loving that
1: gerald durrell he wrote my family and other animals Naturalist. he talks a lot about keystone species which are species within the ecosystem that without those the rest of the ecosystem falls apart you know bumblebees I'm sure people know this, but they're literally defined as a keystone species. If they stop existing, flowers stop pollinating, birds stop eating. But we, know we have no crops, we die. It's a keystone species. Mm. And I think any element that you can attribute keystone element to should be sort of lauded and held up and applauded and protected. And that's what the industry has done. It's focused on getting the right balance within the industry leaders. It's about addressing important things like mental health, work-life balance. That should be enshrined and protected because that's what's making us successful and that's what will bring us through any challenges that we face, not necessarily recession, but world wars or anything that they care to throw at us. If we can use that collaborative learning, then we're in the best possible position to be able to face any of the challenges that we get as an industry.
0: Andrew, I've known you years, but I still want to ask the question, what are your career highs and lows?
1: Right. Career highs. I'm still very, very young, so I haven't been around too (laughs) long. (laughs) But through near always luck, I've always hired quite well. My absolute career high is seeing people come in a young age into a really weird industry where you create prizes and experiences, learn their trade, learn their craft, and then go off and be really successful in other agencies and other brands. And just seeing that always makes me really, really proud. So that's definitely a career high. Career low was the pandemic. You know, I I started with an industry body three weeks before total lockdown. And we had to make some really tough decisions early. We had to make a lot of good people redundant. Lots of people lost their jobs, lost offices. But talking to industry leaders who'd been through stuff like that in the past was what helped us. But that was definitely the low, yeah.
0: So, Andrew, thank you so much for your time on today's podcast and your poignant keystone moment. (laughs) I always finish the podcast with this following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow?
1: It was advice that was given to me by my sister. When I started industry, she completely removed. But she said, try your hand at everything, all disciplines. Explore every opportunity you can get with a fresh mindset don't be restricted by how things have always been done. Be the person that says, well, why can't we do this? Why don't we change this? It's always been done this way. It doesn't mean we have to do it. So head up thinking, explore every discipline and just really enjoy working in an industry that's full of you know, surprises.
0: Love that. And thank you so much again for your time.
1: Thank you very much. i had loads of fun.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Whole Marketeer podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do click follow below for more weekly podcasts. The Whole Marketer book is now available in all good bookstores. And to find out more about how Labyrinth can support and step change the growth of your brand or agency, go to www.labyrinthmarketing.co.uk.